0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Stop me if you've heard this one before. So a man is out in the ocean after a boat wreck, and he's drowning, and he keeps calling up to God to save him, and along comes a boat, and... The boat says, come on, get on board. And the man says, no, don't worry, God will save me. And he goes and flounders around some more, and a helicopter comes along and says, grab onto the line, we will save you. And the man says, no, don't worry, God will save me. And then no one else comes to help him, and he dies, and he goes up to heaven. And God's sitting there at the pearly gates, and he looks over at him, and he says, yes, my son, what is your question? And the man looks up at him and says, God, why didn't you save me? I was drowning. And God looks down at him and says, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter. The moral of the story of that is that not everything is going to be God-given from the standpoint of getting things done. Just because we turn our will and our hearts over to our higher power doesn't mean I still don't have bills. I still have to pay my rent. I still have to buy groceries. I still have to get a job. I mean, these are things that we have to do every day. We just now have the opportunity to do them in a better frame of mind or caring type of personality maybe the best way to put that. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about this week's episode.
1: And Step 7 said shortcomings, but here in the narrative he says defects character. You see what he's done to us? He just played these words back and forth, paying no attention to them. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands away of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding, amen. We've then completed step seven. Are you ready to turn them loose? If you are, you're through with six. Have you asked him to take them away? If you are, you've done seven. And that's all there is to it. Now, don't make the mistake, though, that I made. <laughs> I figured now that I'm ready to turn them loose, all I've got to do is turn to God and say, okay, God, here I am. Give me the twenty-nine ninety-five special and zap me and make me as pure as the driven snow. No, I found out it really doesn't work that way. I'm convinced today that God will do for me what I cannot do for myself. I'm also convinced he will not do for me what I can do for myself. I can do nothing about the removal of the character defect. Only God has that power. But i tell you what I can do. I can find out the opposite of the character defect. And with God's help and God's power and all the willpower I can muster, I can try to become the opposite. And slowly, 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 over a period of years, an old habit dies and a new habit takes its place. If I want God to take away my selfishness, then in every conceivable situation, I need to try to practice unselfishness. Now that's alien to my nature, and it's hard for me to do. But slowly, slowly, as God removes selfishness and I practice unselfishness, the mental habit in my mind begins to change. You see, when I got here, my mind was a set of mental habits. And if you want to change old habits, you have to work against yourself. And with God's help, slowly I become more unselfish. If I want him to take away dishonesty, I've got to practice in every situation honesty to the best of my ability. And slowly, dishonesty is replaced with honesty. If I want him to take away fear, I've got to practice courage. If I want him to take away in consideration, I must start considering what other people need and what other people want ahead of myself. And slowly, slowly, an old idea dies and a new idea takes its place. We are reborn. That's what the book's talking about. Not in our body, but in our mind. I'm not what I used to be. When I first came to AA, I was a very selfish human being. I'm not that way anymore. I'm more unselfish than I used to be. Now, I'm still not unselfish, but I'm more so than I used to be. When I came to AA, I was a very dishonest character. Today, in most cases, I practice honesty. When I came to AA, I was literally scared to death of the world and everything in it. Today, I'm not that way anymore. When I came to AA, I could have cared less about you and what you (coughs) needed and what you wanted. I'm not that way today. Usually, I put your needs ahead of my own this thing really does work. We become entirely different people. I think I know what the book says now when it said some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil. Unless we're willing to turn loose of the old, we'll never be able to experience the new. But slowly, slowly, with God's help, we become different people entirely. You
2: know, there was a guy in that other big book. His name was Paul. And they asked Paul, said, Paul, what is the secret to living? And he said, daily dying. You've got to die over here so you can be reborn over there. And these two little steps, step six and seven, are the real tools of change. And There's always a paradox in Alcoholics Anonymous. These are two of the smallest steps, but they are two of the biggest steps in Alcoholics Anonymous. Because how am I going to get from where I was to where I need to be? six and seven is the real steps the the tools of change i like to call them the tools of acceptance also there was a story in another book about a guy named judas and he was a little bitty guy and judas could not accept what he had done so he killed himself i must be able to accept what i have done i must be able to accept that i am selfish dishonest inconsiderate and frightened so that I can ask God and be willing to ask God to remove those things from me and to change me into those things that he intended for me to be. See, I wasn't always that way. I had become that way. And now I needed to go back to be that which God had intended for me to be all along, and that's through steps six and seven. And I have to accept what I have become in order to become what God intended for me to be. And that's steps six and seven, the real tools of acceptance, the real tools of this change in the spiritual experience that they talk about in page 569. Two of the smallest steps, but two of the biggest steps.
1: I think we're the luckiest people in the world. You know, most people out there are sick. Most people out there are going to go to the grave sick and not even knowing they're sick. We not only know we're sick, We know what's wrong with us, and we have the tools to change it. We have the opportunity to live two lifetimes within one lifetime. We have the opportunity to change entirely from what we used to be to something entirely brand new. Most people really don't get that opportunity. I think we're the luckiest people in the world. I really do. Now be careful, because if you buy into this idea, That means you are responsible for what you think, how you feel, what you say, and what you do. Now that you've got the tools, and now that you know what you need to change, if you stay selfish, you can't blame it on anybody else any longer. If you stay dishonest, it's because you want to. If you keep operating on fear, it's because that's what you want to do. If you stay inconsiderate, it must be because that's what you want to be. I can't blame it on her anymore. I can't blame it on him, and I can't blame it on God, and I can't blame it on Mother, and I can't blame it on Father. (laughs) Before I knew this, it wasn't my fault. But now that I know it, if I stay that way, it's my fault for staying that way. I just can't live that way any longer with a clear conscience, because now I have the tools to change me. You know, for years, we tried to figure out how this program works. And I guess maybe today we've finally been able to see how it works. And then for years we started looking at why this thing works. And I think we're finally beginning to see why this thing works too. You know, I've heard all my life about a human being being born to live in three dimensions of life. I've always heard that we live in the spiritual dimension, the mental dimension, and the physical dimension. And for a long time, I didn't understand what they were talking about. Today, hopefully, I do. You know, if God dwells within each of us, and I'm convinced he does, that it means we're going to have to live with the Spirit. Whether we like it or not It's beside the point. We don't have any choice. The only question is, do we live in harmony or disharmony with God? And I don't know any group of people in the world who got more screwed up in that area than we alcoholics. We all have a mind Sometimes we act like we don't, but we do. And we're going to have to live with that mind whether we like it or not, we don't have any choice. The only question is, do we live with our mind in harmony or disharmony? I don't know of anybody in the world that's been more fouled up in their head than we alcoholics have. Also, the physical dimension, for years I thought it was just my body, but today I realize the physical dimension is the world and everything in it, including my body. Now, I don't have any place else to live except here on Earth. Whether I like it or not is beside the point. I don't have any choice. And the only question is, do I live in the physical dimension, in harmony or disharmony? I don't know of anybody in the world that got more fouled up in the physical relationship with the world and the people in it than we alcoholics did. I believe the reason this thing works is because it is a design for living that puts us back together as God intended for us to be in the first place. You know, I think step one, two, and three gets us right with God. There's where we make the decision to let God be the director of our lives. And for most of us, that's the first time we've had that relationship with God for a long, long time. Because of our powerlessness, we needed the power, and we made the decision to go for that power, and we had the right relationship with God. Four, five, six, and 7 got us right in our own heads. We looked within ourselves to see what our problems really were. And we found our defects of characters, and we began to work on them through 6 and 7, and slowly, slowly we get right in our head. Now that we're right with God, now that we're right in our head, we might be able to get right in the physical dimension also. And if we do right in our relationship with the world and everything in it, then for the first time in many, many years, we're going to be complete, whole, well human beings. And we'll be well in all three dimensions. And then and then only do we begin to feel really good.
0: Get right in our head. Get right with God. Reminds me of the warden from Cool Hand Luke. What we have here is a failure to communicate. And we can do that to ourselves. We truly can. We break ourselves off from that inner voice that tells us what is right and wrong, and when to go left instead of right. Because I dictated my own future, as I was a controlling alcoholic, and I had to let all that go. And steps six and seven are, as I mentioned, they're shorter. Cha- they're shorter steps rather, but they take that change that's occurring and help mold it to help keep it pliable so that you know in step seven we're removing defects of character we're asking someone we're asking our higher power to help us because it has been a long time since I asked for help I knew how to give advice I knew how to tell you what to do but I was unable until I got sober and got into recovery, to ask for help. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie Podcast.